away from pressure, will clear the zone through center. And how about this for a close of the regular season? Three consecutive shutouts of the Providence Bruins for Charlie Lindgren. The third of which features 26 saves and the T-Bird goaltenders over the final four games of the regular season go the final 232 minutes and 55 seconds without allowing a single goal to their opposition. They outscore their opponents 15 to one in the final four games of the regular year. Playoff Eve edition of T-Birds Talk, the official podcast of the Springfield Thunderbirds. I'm going to say that one more time. Playoff Eve. Sounds good. That sounds phenomenal. <laughs> and we're not going to dwell on the fact that for my cohort, Eric Bellier, this is show finality for oh, yeah. him. We'll get into that a little bit more later on. But we'll focus on the happy, happy there's in a the lot moment to, right There's now. a lot of good, good stuff going there on. There is too. a lot to talk about on the right side of the coin for the Springfield Thunderbirds. We have a little bit more clarity, a little bit more clarity. We have a coin flip now. We do have a coin flip <laughs> on what the first matchup in the playoffs for the Thunderbirds is going to be. Uh, that happening by virtue of a result that we, all, we both kind of thought might happen and it ended up happening. And before we dive into that, we'll also have a chance to Recap yet another blank sheet for the T-Birds to close the regular season. They're not only one goalie red hot right now, two goalies are red hot right now for them. Now, you have to take your wins with your losses in the American Hockey League in so many ways, shapes, and forms. And unfortunately for the Thunderbirds, the St. Louis Blues, uh, in their first two games against Minnesota, have not been able to catch a break on their blue line. Uh, two different defensemen joining Marco Scandella on the injured front, so a, another familiar T-Bird name is up with St. Louis as we speak. There's a lot to get through in what I'm guessing is going to be about an hour's <laughs> worth of programming, although frankly, I don't, I don't know. Thankfully, we don't have to fit a in a limit. specific time window. This oh, yeah. isn't uh, FCC radio <laughs> regulations where we have to be out at 58 minutes past the hour or Perfect. whatever the case may be, so... Just going to see which way the wind blows us, Ryan Smith and Eric Bellier, once again. So, Eric, let's dive right in. We'll start chronologically. Yes. As opposed to going that. back in time, yep. which would just confuse everybody, hmm. including myself. First things first. I know we looked into the final game of the Thunderbirds season against the uh, Providence Bruins, and we saw that as a game that didn't really have a whole lot in terms of meaningfulness, in terms of what the standings were going to look like, because the T-Birds and Bruins were locked into their placements. T-Birds were going to be the two seed with a bye. Bruins were going to be the three seed, no matter what happened in that game. But since it is the American Hockey League, and unlike the NHL, uh, you don't have the luxury or the ability to call up five, six, seven uh, guys at the lower level to give everybody a rest in your lineup. T-Birds gave the Core three veterans, their rest in Tommy Cross, Matthew Pekka, and James Neal. But otherwise, it was a relatively full lineup that played for the T-Birds in Providence against the Bruins. And if Drew Bannister's endgame goal for that contest was for his team to maintain their confidence level and maintain a high level of hockey going into the postseason, uh, they couldn't have passed that test much better than the way they performed a 3-0 shutout victory, third one in a row for Charlie Lindgren against the Providence Bruins. And as a result, Charlie Lindgren goes into the playoffs as arguably the AHL's hottest goaltender. 
Yeah, and I mean that's not even a. Uh, let's not forget Joel Hofer too. Is that you know they're yeah. at, what are they at two hours thirty two minutes and fifty five seconds? You said? actually it's two hundred thirty three minutes. So if we put oh, okay. it if we put it into hour, <laughs> if we put it into hour mode, it's just shy of four hours of game action that they have not allowed a single goal. Yeah, that's and this is the part where all the fans tell me shh. Yeah, I've only seen about fifty of those over the, the last two weeks. But you know what? Guys, keep shushing me. I'll keep saying it. You keep shushing me. I think we got a good thing going here. It's like the no-hitter thing. We don't say the word. We can reference it, but we don't say the word, and everything's all right. There's many There's many synonyms yeah, for exactly. the S word. There's the, many synonyms. And the no-goal. Blank, blanking, yeah, yeah. goose eggs. The no-goal no, the, the no streak has been incredible, and I think part of it goes to how the defensive group has been playing, not taking away from the goaltenders. But the the we heard Chucky say it when we talked to him after our last home game, I believe. That's correct. And and he said that, you know, that was one of the easiest 60s he's ever played, meaning 60-minute games, because of how the defense has played, giving him clear lanes to the shots and seeing pucks coming in, no real deflections. I mean, they've been – both of them, I think they really feed off of each other, and I know that sounds cliche in the hockey world, but when you're in a situation where you're 1A, 1, 1, 1A, I would say, I don't think the, the letter yeah. B does, yeah, deserves I don't, to I don't be think, in the I don't think B is in the equation. So when, when, when you have the duo like that, I mean – when you have goalies playing like that, it, it makes the, the, the rest of the 17 skaters' job just so much stinking easier. And you partner that with, um, you know, with, with this bye, you get to rest up. And, and like you said, Pex, what was it, Pex, Tommy, and, and Real Deal, they've all had a little extended break compared to the rest of the roster. Mm-hmm. However, you know, those guys getting that break is good. Just keeping the focus and maintaining the intensity, which what we've seen in practice has been the case day in and day out, where they can go into now the Wilkes or, or Hershey series with the same intensity that they've been playing with down the stretch. And you mentioned Wilkes or Hershey because we got ourselves some clarity in the Atlantic Division playoff picture. The Bridgeport Islanders and the Providence Bruins taking part in their best of three series. I think I was the least surprised person in the world to see both games the of both that of us, series yeah. go two to one overtime decisions in each game with if Charlie Lindgren is the hottest goal in the AHL right now, uh, Corey Schneider and Troy Grosnick have been a close two and three in that battle. Those two were absolutely otherworldly good in those two games of that series. Corey Schneider, though, just a little bit better in each game. And two goals better. Two, <laughs> two goals better, and wouldn't you know it, the Bridgeport Islanders do what we speculated was very, very, very possible, and they caught the Providence Bruins at their lowest confidence point of the season, and the Islanders playing with the most confidence they have had all season. And I think it's no secret that the momentum that Bridgeport carried into the playoffs in a positive frame of mind and the kind of negative mojo that was hanging over the Bruins. If, if you're a believer in momentum, this series was the case in point as to why. Yeah, you couldn't find a hotter team in this division, in my opinion, outside of us, you know, not being a homer, but outside of Springfield is, is Bridgeport. You know, they beat us in their building at the end of the season and, and – you know, They've had to play a desperate style of game, and for, a lot of games for literally yeah. a month and a half just yeah, oh to yeah. get their way in. And, and they were one of they were one team that was thrilled to have a best of three because when you're playing with that confidence level, a best of three feels like, hey, we got our we don't have to we don't have to play that well that much longer, and we're we're into the main cream of the crop playoffs. And to Brent Thompson's team, I know he didn't get he didn't get the award for 
AHL Head Coach of the Year, and you normally wouldn't get give that award out to someone whose team finished sixth in a division. But I believe, and I'm trying to remember my own ballot when I filled it out, if I didn't put Brent Thompson in my top three, it was because I had a very hard time not putting him there for yeah. the job that he did with that group. Yeah, and, and that group really added some guys at you know from, from signings. I mean, Atu Ratu, who scored last night, um, scored the game winner. Pretty good time to score your first, uh, you know, North American hockey yeah, goal. Yeah, not bad. Um, and a guy that has been, we saw, he made his debut against Springfield. He did. And and you could tell, even though he didn't put the puck in the net, he was the most noticeable Islander on the ice. Um, and he's one of those guys now, although, you know, big Islanders are done, um, you, you're you going to question how much time he has left down here. Uh, a guy who was a second-round pick, I believe, in 19 or 20, and has been a guy who has just been... Since he's gotten to Bridgeport, he's been a guy who has just skated, out-skated, out-hustled, um, even out-physicaled players where he's been a guy that, that they can rely on to be that goal scorer. Where you already have a guy, Chris Terry, who, by the way, scored, what, 30 goals this year? Yeah, so, again. So, you know, the Islanders, the Islanders although weren't the, the general consensus pick, I think, but I think for people like you and I who are, are in this day in and day out um, – View viewed them as an Achilles heel to Providence because they've really given Providence a run for their money every time they played each other. And really, the weird part in all of this is the Islanders statistically had trouble with Springfield and pretty much nobody else in this division. Everyone else in this division, I've talked to members of uh, coaching staffs, broadcast booths of other teams, and we all kind of share this same opinion that Bridgeport yeah, there's times you may beat them, and there's times you may uh, get the better of them on a given night where they don't have their best game going. But we've said this since the beginning of the Thunderbirds era in the AHL. You may beat Bridgeport a handful of times during the season, but you normally do it at the, at the payment of a lot of bruises, a lot of verbal jabs, and just a lot of extracurricular activity. But Bridgeport this year is doing it in a way that, yes, they are that pesky nuisance of a team from the way they play physically, the way they play between whistles and push that envelope a little bit after whistles mm -hmm. as well. But they're not run going out of their way taking bad penalties the way that they've been guilty of doing so in the past. And when they have gone to their penalty kill especially, their PK and Corey Schneider's been one of the best P PK guys in the entire world lately. Mm -hmm. If you have, and I, I said this, this a is couple, like this I said it a couple times down the stretch. If your PK's going heading into the playoffs, I would take that over the power play any any day. This feels like the Corey Schneider of like ten years ago. <laughs> it it's, really, it's scary it really how good has, he's playing. It really has kind of shown that it, to me, it shows the competitive nature that a Corey Schneider still has. I don't know how many former first round picks who played. Hundreds and hundreds of NHL games. North of five. Won a Jennings Trophy, uh, was a finalist for a Vezina, was an all-star in the NHL multiple times. I don't know how many goalies at Corey Schneider's age, I believe he's now 35 or 36 years old, I don't know how many guys would be willing to willfully choose to be the guy on a Calder Cup playoff run just to be the guy in a Calder yeah. playoff run after yeah. you've had such a long and storied career, you have to have a love for the game in order to be in the spot that Corey Schneider is in right now. And it's not to say that the Islanders couldn't turn to Jakob Skark, who's played a ton this season. Yeah. It's not like you don't have a capable young goalie in there, but clearly the Islanders see a big value 
and having Corey Schneider be that kind of that backbone of that defense, not to mention a blue line that is just a bevy of veterans. I mean, you can't look in any one spot on that blue line other than Robin Salo and not see somebody who is not years of experience in the NHL or American Hockey League. And I think that was another big reason why the matchup was such a nightmare for Providence. And I think it's another reason why the T-Birds are very happy that Bridgeport was the six and not the four or the five. Yeah, oh yeah. And, and you know, not to discredit Salo, but Salo's been a guy who the Islanders themselves relied on a lot this mm-hmm. year um, during when they had their COVID-19 protocol outbreak around Thanksgiving and up and down multiple times this year. A guy that they hold very highly in their system as well. Um, they're kind of hitting their stride now, which, you know, you partner with how well they played and the downfall of Hartford. I'm going to tell you, I don't envy the Charlotte Checkers right now. No, I don't. I, I think Especially I, starting in Bridgeport. Yeah. You could, look at the, you could look at the series similar to how you looked at um, the Providence series, and you could tell that even though, you know, Charlotte might have the flashier names and the, you know, the, the, the guys that are looked at in a very high regard within Florida slash Seattle system and Joey Decord, but, you know, Joey Decord against Corey Schneider is a is a is a coin flip for me at least. You know, Decord has has had a great year, but you know, you ride the hot hand in the playoffs and I mean, you know, the regular season ended with the two T Bird goalies on a hot streak, but you know, the the the, the first game of the series out, out outside of, you know, any other series in the AHL, I would I would say Corey Schneider's the hottest goalie in hockey right now. Yeah, I mean I'm excited to see what that Bridgeport Charlotte series holds. And a reminder to fans who are kind of starting to get a cursory understanding of the bracket as things start to solidify a little bit more and more. The winner of the Charlotte Bridgeport series will face the winner of Springfield versus either Wilkes-Barre or Hershey. So it's a series that the Thunderbirds and their fans will be watching very closely. And it's one that if you asked me a couple months ago, what would a Charlotte Bridgeport series look like in a best of five? And I, I might, I might've chuckled in the process of saying Charlotte in three or four. Now, all of a sudden, Charlotte, by the time that series begins, Charlotte will not have played a hockey game in, I want to say, three weeks or three-plus weeks. Because they ended... A week when earlier we, yeah. than the Thunderbirds. They were done when they when they came here. That was their last series of the year. Yes, the last game played... Or they went to Providence. The right last after. game played by Charlotte was the 16th of April... That series, I believe, is beginning on the 10th of May. So close to the a month. Charlotte, and I'm confirming it right now. Yes, Charlotte Bridgeport, game one, May 10th. You're talking about 24 days that's, that's between games yeah, for yeah. the Charlotte Checkers. And oh, yeah. you can talk about rest and you can talk about how guys are able to get healthy and maybe it will serve them well down the long haul of the Calder Cup playoffs. But in a situation like this where Bridgeport has played so many meaningful games down the stretch and then played two more meaningful tight games, came away with overtime wins both times, and they did it two different ways. Once they had to erase a deficit in the third period to get the game to overtime. The other time they had to regroup mentally after giving up a tying goal in a third period. So they clearly are in the mindset when they're going into that dressing room that they have the belief in that room that they are capable of winning any game they play right now. And that's a that's a scary proposition. And again, I'll reiterate, I am very happy that it is Charlotte that has to deal with the Islanders right now instead of the T-Birds. And I know division titles are nice and whatnot. 
I don't know if that would have been worth the uh, payoff and the reward that's for a, me. Yeah, that's a that's going to be a knockdown dragout series. Um, like you said, uh, Bridgeport as a, a collective group plays that get in your head after the whistle. We're going to smush your face with our gloves types of style of play where, yeah, they do push the envelope. But and it they drives know. you crazy. Yeah, we've we've had plenty of off-the-mic conversations, you and I, about but, playing uh, you against know what? them. That's exactly what Bridgeport wants their opponents to be doing. Yep, That's they, exactly what they want. They want you to cave to their style of play and not play down to their level, but play to their style. Correct. Where you want it, where where you almost feel like you have to retaliate for them doing the you know smushing you know wiping their face, giving them a little extra snow on the other end or whatever it may be. But that's a series that you know one wrong move by you know Decord and company it it could be it could be a decision for a game. And now you could say that for any series or uh, or any team. But Bridgeport's that that. You know, bracket buster Cinderella story. They're the Florida Gulf Coast of 20, 2009 NCAA basketball tournament. You know, they're a team that nobody, and I think you and I can say this, you know, decisively, nobody in December or January or maybe even February that they would make them be in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure I said on this program that they were done at yeah, one point this season. That they would not be in the playoffs. And I will eat full crow for that. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm sure that uh, our good buddy Alan Fearing will make me eat full crow for that. Couldn't be happier for Alan <laughs> in the playoff series too. Yeah. Alan's, like, Alan's, Alan's the creme de la creme of, the, of, of AHL yes, broadcast. Yes, this is not the broadcaster's <laughs> podcast, contrary to my wishes. But anyways... What all that long-winded spiel about Bridgeport tells us is that the first series for a Springfield AHL hockey team since the late spring, or I guess the mid-spring of 2014, the first series will feature a team from the state of Pennsylvania taking on the T-Birds. It will either be the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins or it will be the Hershey Bears. There's a couple of interesting dynamics in the difference between those two series layouts and the... The uh, subject to change home dates for both series have been released publicly by the T-Birds. The wrinkle when it comes to Wilkes-Barre Scranton as it stands right now, and again, all this is subject to changes, and in, and I think everyone understands in the years 2021 and 2022 that uh, subject to change is a far more likely probability than what subject to change meant in the year 2015. We don't need to use the uncertain word we anymore do, we, do, we don't, <laughs> but I, I mention all that as a caveat in case something does change between the time we have put this to air and when the series begins. But if it is Wilkes-Barre Scranton that knocks off the uh, Hershey Bears, if that series were to go three games, game three of the Wilkes-Hershey series, if it is necessary is going to be played on Monday night at Mohegan Sun Arena at KC Plaza in Wilkes-Barre. If the Penguins were to win that Game 3, as of right now, Game 1 Springfield hosting Wilkes-Barre would be the next night, Tuesday, inside the Mass Mutual Center, which... That's tough. It's, I look at that and I don't, and I don't envy anybody yep. who has to take on a 3 and 3 in a playoff series that Do is or die that series. is a yeah. that is a near impossibility in the way the AHL playoff schedule is arranged and again the caveat is we are going to keep our eyes open in case that were to change Card subject at to some change. point but if it doesn't change on paper 
I don't know what more you could want from the hockey perspective as the T-Birds than to have a team that just played a deciding game. Who knows if it goes to OT and beyond, what could happen? I wouldn't envy being in the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins shoes one bit. Now, would the Penguins probably have the early jump and more crispness off the hop? Probably. But at what point, after playing two straight games the two days before, potentially both elimination games, at what point do the legs turn to jello? Yeah, and you partner that with losing two of your goalies. You know, now now Deming has been up for a couple weeks, but they just they they being Pittsburgh called up uh, Alex Dorio, who's backing up Deming tonight. After Casey DeSmith was injured during the triple overtime in the second overtime, yeah. mind you, and it was one of those supposedly it's reported that it's a groin injury, and when you hear groin injury with goaltenders, it's not good. you start going, uh oh. Yeah, and you partner now DeSmith, that battery of of DeSmith and Jari are out. You know, you you mentioned the name off the top of my head and I can't remember it, but yeah, I they are now on their third goalie. And if God God forbid one of DeSmith or, or sorry, Dorio and Domingo down, they can't call him up. So Tommy Napier. Yeah, Tommy Napier. So Napier is not on an island per se, but is I do believe if memory serves, Napier is on an AHL contract, and if that is indeed the case, I I honestly would have to look up the rules with the CBA if Pittsburgh would be permitted to sign him to an NHL one year right. to bring him up in that situation. I don't know what other choice I don't know what other choice the Penguins would have if it came to that. Right. Hopefully not you or me. But they, I really hope not you or me. But, but point being is that Wilkes-Barre Scranton, between whether it's the scheduling, even if they do get to that point, you know, we could say all this long-winded stuff and Hershey takes them out in two. Or Wilkes-Barre wins in two and, Wilkes-Barre they, have a, and they have a day right. after all exactly. that. So all that being said, the cards are completely stacked against Wilkes-Barre Scranton right now, whether it's scheduling, personnel. They've got home ice. They, yeah, they they've got that going ice. for them. Scheduling and personnel, you know, and, and, and are, the, are the two big negatives, but only playing one game at the Giant, Cent- Giant Center, right? Yes. Playing, I didn't know if it was the Giant Arena or the Giant Center, but having to play one game in Hershey is, is huge for them. And that series, again, teams that know each other a lot, teams that know each other a lot, and that teams that have played against each other consistently, they know that they can go at each other and are the Springfield-Bridgeport style of series. Yeah. And that's a series, Wilkes-Barre and Hershey, doesn't need a whole lot of build-up because the way that Springfield-Hartford, Springfield-Providence are rivalries, the Pennsylvania rivalries are intense. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're talking Hershey and Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. Two teams that Year in and year out, they're almost always in the playoff hunt. There's expectations in both of those fan bases for, I mean, look at the NHL team's success levels. Don't need to go into Hershey's AHL history of all of their success. But that's a series that is, that's not going to be for the faint of heart. No, that's going to be a pulling your heartstring. You know, you're not going to have any fingernails left. What other things can I think of? You know, that's the type of series that that's going to be because those teams, like we said, they go at it. And you are a Pennsylvania resident and are more familiar with the history between the two than I am. But they have been one of the more fun series from our perspective to just say, hey, I want to throw on a hockey game. I would love to sit and watch a best of seven between Hershey and Wilkes-Barre any chance I got because those teams – Hate each other. Hate each other. And it was, and their series over the regular season was a really interesting one because during the Atlantic Division's bout with COVID in December, uh, 
I was talking with the voice of the Penguins, Nick Hart, about this. In the month of December, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins won one total game, and it was against Springfield in their building. Every other game that Wilkes-Barre was able to play in the month of December was against Hershey, and they lost every single one of them. Oh, yeah. So if you want to look at it that way, which team has confidence from the season series? Uh, Hershey has a resounding resounding yes to that statement. Oh, yeah, and I feel like the, the thorn in the league side, no matter home, away, or what, is always Hershey. I, whenever we talk about playing against Hershey, um, she go they, they go we we go there. It's one of the hardest buildings to play in, and we've said that time and time again. Every road trip to Hershey, when they come here, they always might catch us on an off night, or we did catch them during our time when we were dealing with the COVID nineteen protocol. But they have always been, no matter who they played, a thorn in the division side. And I think part of that has to do with. Honest to God, I think part of that has to do with the expectations that come about with being a Hershey Bear. And it's not to say that there's not a demanding fan base in Springfield that asks for a winner on the ice day in and day out. But I think to try to equate it to people in big league terminology, the Hershey Bears, without question, are the New York Yankees of the American Hockey League. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. There is just a standard of winning. There's a standard of excellence with that team. And when... The, the rare times that you're in Hershey when things are not going well for the Bears, it is... You know. You, you hear it yeah. from your fans. Oh, yeah. And you hear it loudly from your fans. And I think you and I have said this in the past, too, is, you know, in my opinion, at least in the, at least in the East and specifically in the Atlantic, the two most prestigious fan bases and lineage and history are here in Springfield. I mean, obviously, the... the, the headquarters of the league is here and and Hershey Hershey has I believe the most Calder Cups in the history of the league 11 of them yep and and but none since 2010 and you know their fans are talking about that too and and you know that's a long drought for their standards and you know this is a a quote-unquote developmental league but some of these fan bases expect winning win year in and year out and here and look what happened look what happened the one year the Hershey Bears missed the playoffs since I believe they've been in the playoffs every year since about 2012, and they missed the playoffs in 2017, 2018. What did they do? Troy Mann was relieved of his duties. Yep. I can't emphasize to people how rare it is to relieve a coach of their duties in the American Hockey League. It, yep. doesn't, it doesn't happen the way it does in the NHL and the other of the four major sports leagues. It's just not a commonality. And you usually see coaching changes like we saw here with change of affiliates. That's yes. really it. Um, it. It just – that is the, the standard in that town. And that's a, that's a team that obviously has the community around – the, you know Hershey Park and whatever it may be, but that's there. I do like, enjoy. I do enjoy getting all the chocolate. When yeah, I'm there. that's like the. That's like the. I'll give them that. Outside of the chocolate, it's it's <laughs> like that's what the the town rallies around. And absolutely, and it it shows. You know, I, I one of the clearest memories I have. I went to Hershey Park as a kid, and I was nine, and all I wanted was a Hershey Bear sweatshirt. Like they're everywhere. They're everywhere, and, and it just shows that that's the lineage and, and the expectation that that town has for that organization. And, and another guy, you know, not the broadcaster's podcast. I love Fishy. Another <laughs> great guy. Zach and, Fish. And they, and, and they have 
a great organization and a team that has been through, you know, similar to what we've been through with the call-ups at one point. Unfortunately for them, all their call-ups have happened towards the end of the season where, you know, they didn't get uh, Fialbi back. They, they're missing a bunch of guys, and, and they've still pushed. They do get Joe Snively back for Snively this back. series, yep. though, and that is a huge. that is a huge get for the Bears ahead of that playoff series. Joe Snively, don't have to tell T-Bird fans what Joe Snively means to that offensive attack. He had a hat trick in what ended up being Springfield's first regulation loss of the whole season yep. in game number 10 of the year for the T-Birds in Hershey. And it was one of the very few blips on Charlie Lindgren's radar all season. And that is a huge return for the Bears. And that tells you a little bit more about what winning means in Hershey. Because in most other team circumstances, Joe Snively probably stays up with the Black Aces group at the NHL level with Washington in the playoffs. Yep. And who knows if Washington's run is going to keep going after the Florida series. They got off to a good start themselves in that element oh, yeah. of things. Pittsburgh got off to a good start in their series. So these are all various things that come into play with St. Louis and both Wilkes-Barre and Hershey's NHL affiliations all still playing right now. And there's a potential all three of those teams advance. So the the personnel group available at the American League level might be a little slimmer. If one of the three NHL affiliates bows out, though, then all of a sudden you're looking at a team that might be able to restock the deck oh, yeah. a little bit. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm looking more so at Hershey than the others. And the only reason I say that is I think Washington, despite winning game one against Florida, I think most people still consider Florida a prohibitive favorite, whereas the uh, St. Louis series and the Pittsburgh series are viewed a little bit more as 50-50, could go either way type of affairs. Yeah, and, and this isn't our way of promoting the AHL playoffs, but I mean – this this division has been knocked down, drag out all year, and it, it's just only going to um, em, not amplify amplify throughout the uh, rest of the season, throughout the postseason. And these are the two series I think you want to watch. I mean, there's been there's been some good ones in the North. I I, I watched the Rochester game the other night. Um, this series, these two series in the Atlantic, though, are going to be a a ball to watch, especially knowing that. We don't have to play right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, game, game one, for those of you so interested in seeing how all of that goes between Hershey and Wilkes-Barre Scranton, uh, game one of that series is Friday night, 7 o'clock from Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza. And you're figuring on Tommy Napier being the starting netminder for Wilkes-Barre Scranton with all the uh, goaltending carousel moves happening with Pittsburgh right now, as we alluded to before. And on the Hershey side, flip a coin between Zach Fucali and Phoenix Copley. If I were a betting man, I would expect to see Phoenix Copley Me in the too. net for Hershey the in veteran. that contest. A veteran netminder with a ton of Calder Cup playoff experience under his belt. So and played good down the stretch, and too. And played very, very well down the stretches. There was a time in the second half of the season where it wasn't a guarantee Hershey was going to be in the playoffs. They were kind of like Hartford, kind of trying to find their bearings, but they eventually did. And once they did, they were able to bring home a much more confident group across the finish line. And being the fact that the way this series shook out from building availabilities and uh, those two teams' ownerships coming together... Uh, they opted to wait a little bit longer to start their first-round series. So I expect to see two pretty energized groups in that game right off the hop on Friday. Yeah, it's going to be, again, it's going to be a fun series to watch. And, you know, again, very glad it's not us playing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so now we look ahead. And obviously we're recording today. We're not going to know who the T-Birds opponent is going to be until at the 
earliest Sunday night and possibly as late as Monday evening. And the one takeaway I have from these two clubs over the season series, you can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it as, oh, Hershey and Wilkes-Barre each won four out of six against Springfield during the regular season. Yes, that's a factual statement. And no, it's not necessarily what you want to hear. Correct. But I look at it a different way. Twelve matchups in total of Springfield's regular season put them against Hershey or against Wilkes-Barre. Seven times in those 12 games, the game went past 60 minutes. Yep. Four against the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, three against the Hershey Bears. Translation, I don't expect to see a blowout one way or the other probably the whole series. Yeah, and, and I think diving more into the two series, um, two teams that when, when Springfield has played them, specifically Hershey, we had them a couple times in that window of everybody was up in St. Louis and we were hurting for guys when it came to the COVID-19. Both of these teams kind of overlapped with that at one point. Yeah, so we've we've – I'm not going to sit here and make excuses. However, I, I there think – is, There is a certain degree of throwing it to the wash. Yeah, I think they haven't seen – Wilkes-Barre Scranton has more than, more than um, Hershey. I think that both teams really haven't seen what a mostly full uh, roster that we can present. Um, now with Santini going up, which we'll touch on more in a little bit, um, that kind of throws a dagger into that statement. Mm-hmm. However, the forward group more specifically, um, Hershey did get a little taste of James Neal with a hat trick, including an OT winner. <laughs> oh, and they remember it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They remember it. I can assure you of that. So, so this, these teams are going to see really what Springfield is made of as a collective group, and they didn't. I, I think maybe. Uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton did see Witter uh, Wachowski, who you said has shaved, which I think is very scary to think about. Um, <laughs> it's different. Yeah, it's it's different for sure. So you combined all that. One other interesting dynamic if Wilkes-Barre were to be the opponent. Six-game season series, and somehow through just the way the schedule lined up, the way the call-up schedules happened mm-hmm. this year, Wilkes-Barre Scranton has yet to face Charlie Lindgren this season. That's crazy to think about. That's not once. And you add my statement about Witkowski and company mm-hmm. to, to to Chucky. Um, good luck, <laughs> specifically, and and I I think that is another gear that I think teams that are not familiar with with Springfield and if you know not looking ahead, but you know you play teams that don't see the Thunderbirds as often. You know, you're missing a lot when you don't play Chucky. Yeah. And it's been, as we've mentioned, it's been a start-to-finish consistent year for Charlie Lindgren. I At think both levels. You, you can count on one hand the number of off nights he had the entire year. And I think, it, I think two is the number. I think it yep. was only two. That, yep. uh, I mean, that goes to show you uh, just the, the level of confidence that he has played with and – you wonder, when you start a year as hot as Lindgren started the year, you think, how sustainable is it over the long term? And you think, oh, there's got to be a blip in here somewhere. And yeah, there's the odd game here and there where there's a blip in the radar and the game in Toronto where he has to get pulled in the first period being really the one exception to that. Yep. But then down the stretch, he ends the season even hotter than how he started it. Yep. And again. It's like the NHL run. That's, to, what, this, that's what that last group of games felt like. To Hershey and Wilkes-Barre Scranton, yeah, I think no matter which team ends up facing the T-Birds, and I don't mean this as any disrespect to Phoenix Copley in particular, 
Springfield has the goaltending edge going into this series, yep. no matter which team and goaltending depth too. Because again, you know, we're sitting here talking up Charlie. Playing Joel right now, I think, is just as hard because Joel really feels like, to me, in his stretch of games, you know, the last month or two, he's really come into his own in the sense of, you know, playing the complete 60 minutes that he's looking for. And he has that bravado about him where he's stone-faced whether he had a good game or a bad game. But you could really tell that he is in the zone right now. And if you get either Chucky or Hoth, I mean... You know, one. You know, like I said, that the letter B isn't in there. It's one and one A. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. You know, no matter who you get, it's gonna be an uphill climb for you in the crease. No matter who you're playing. Fun statistics for the month of April for the Thunderbird Netminders. Charlie Lindgren from April first until the end of the regular season, five and three record. But I don't want. I don't want you to pay as attention as much to the record. One point seven three goals against average. 944 save percentage, three shutouts. All against Providence, by the way. I would say that's pretty good. Joel Hofer, ho-hum. So much worse. 1.95 goals against average. 4-1, record. 935 save percentage, and a shutout to clinch the bye. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. And again, you know, I'm not, we're not sitting here and, and throwing anything on other goalies, but find me another, find me two stat lines on the same team that good. That's, that's, that's at the goaltending position. Exactly. I don't, I don't think one exists. Exactly. And in and that time period, that is advantage Springfield, no matter who they play, no matter what round it is, because those guys have been not standing on their head, but playing to the highest level that they can. Because, and I'm not taking away that they haven't been playing well. It's just that. The, the team collectively have made their job so much easier where they are doing everything they need to do and not Igor Shosturkin making 100,000 saves in three overtimes. The, the team is, the team is, is playing to, their, to the goalie's level yeah. and just making the team better. And that's an interesting point you make because with the exception of Charlie Lindgren's first shot out in Providence, which was the one nothing overtime game when he stopped 41 or 42, that was the only really taxing shutout of yeah. the four. Yep. The other three were... Under 30 saves for both goalies every time. And all of those games were comfortably in the back pocket in the third period, which speaks to the defensive effort. It speaks to the offense providing that goal support early on and allowing the goalies to really be able to take a breath and play a little bit looser, knowing that you, quote-unquote, might have a free mistake in yep. the back pocket. Yep. Not, that they've, not that they've needed to... Uh, turn in their free mistake at any right. point. Yeah, and that and that uh, Lehigh Valley game, I want to say it was Joel. It was. Right? And Where the he... first two periods of that game, T-Birds were frankly lucky to have a one nothing lead oh, yeah. for two periods of that game. And and the third period, that's what I was getting at. Chucky or uh, Joel was able to kind of take the foot off the gas a little bit because they had that plethora of goals from DJ and insert other guys' names here that have just been incredible. You know, they went on a, a, a four-goal streak where I think it was within, like, six minutes, maybe. And the game was over. Yeah, and the game was over, and and Joel really didn't have much work to do past that point anyway. So it, it's just been – there's been times where, sure, it's been testy, but collectively it's been it's been a good ride for them outside of that Providence game. You said one nothing in overtime. Both guys have been incredible. Yeah, you look at the – just the collective team effort in the month of April for the T-Birds. The penalty kill over the last month of the season operating at near 90% for a group that for 
so much of this season. It was the one real weakness that you saw all year long. And yeah, the end-of-season report is still going to reveal that Springfield was in the 20s in terms of overall efficiency on the penalty kill and that their PK still didn't reach 79% overall for the season. I don't give a flying you-know-what about that. I look at, I'm very much a believer in the what have you done for me lately, and that can work in a positive and a negative light. In this particular light, it's a bright spotlight on a penalty-killing unit that has had to have so many changes in personnel members, but the commitment from that unit to trust their instincts, more so than anything else, to trust their instincts, has turned that group from being one that was one that might have held them back earlier in the season and has now become a downright strength for this team. It's one of the situations where you just got to ride the wave, like you said. Like, yeah, the, there's been peaks and valleys, but, you know, right now... Who, who else had, for, for the record, who else had Nikita Alexandrov turning into one of the best penalty kill guys in the American Hockey League? Oh, and, yeah. I, and I say that without even a hint of irony. Oh, yeah. He's been, he's been great. And, and another guy, it's been like a, not development, but like coming into his own because we've seen flashes of what Nikita could do both offensively and defensively throughout the year. And when guys are getting called up, he was tasked with like, I don't want to say being the guy, but being like the cornerstone of the offense, especially between Totter being down and then everybody else getting called up. Yeah, and, that's a good and, point. And Nealer wasn't here yet. Um, they've been he he's shown flashes, but the last I would say seven eight weeks, he's been the guy that you could look at and say, "Oh, seventeen's on the ice. You got to be careful." And he could do a lot with the puck offensively, and he led to clinching the game against uh, I want to say it was Providence in the Shooter McGavin night. Um, where he made that great uh, skate block with no stick, and Bitsy had a clear lane to the to the goal. Yeah, who knows what happens if that shot gets through? Right, exactly. And it's it, he's been making big time plays. And I can tell you, all big time situations. All the coaches and all the players that we've talked to post game for the last month or so, whenever we so much as mention Nikita's name, there is an immediate reaction from everybody. So they are taking notice. And if they're taking notice, you know St. Louis is as well. I think the first year, first full season for players in the American Hockey League, you're not not every first year player is going to be Jack Quinn or JJ Paterka. And that's okay. And it is and it is. Especially when you're in a situation like in St. Louis where Nikita Alexandrov does not have to be rushed. Right. And what we're seeing is Nikita morphing into a player where you take away, God, I'm trying to think at the St. Louis level. You could just go up and down their forward list. How many of their forwards are not responsible? Great at both ends of the ice. Right, and that's it's a such a, it's such a small number because there's an expectation in this organization that if you are going to have NHL minutes as a forward, you you need to be either an otherworldly talent up front. Or you need to be as good in your own zone as you are up there. Between Chiefs' mentality and Banny's uh, mentality, you've seen that they coincide really well. And all their forward groups. I mean, the the one that I like, the one line I like to go back to, and and it's from kind of the first quarter of the season, is the Torpo, Mac, and DJ line, mm-hmm. where it was just. You're gonna get your butt kicked, and they're gonna score goals on you, and it doesn't matter who you are. You know, you saw that style of play just leak through from St. Louis to here, and it's 
it's a style of play that I think in hockey in 2022 is is not looked down upon, but is is not. It's the, not the norm anymore. It's not the norm anymore. But that's how St. Louis won a Stanley Cup, and that's how Springfield got a first round bye in the Calder Cup playoffs. You know, it it, it works. That's for sure. Yeah, not everyone is built like a Toronto or a Tampa Bay, and you have all this skill up front. But by the way, Tampa Bay didn't go on their run winning cups until they addressed their need to have a straightforward, bullish checking line. Oh, yeah, Yanni Gordon, you could argue, was their most valuable player down the stretch the last two years in the playoffs because they made the big. I don't think that's far fetched at all. Yeah, he, he's been a guy that has just stepped in front of pucks, and although the, the, the flashy numbers aren't there for goals and whatnot and assists. He, I mean, he scored the only goal in, the, in Game 7 last year against the Islanders. So, you know, you add players like that, making plays like that, I think Nikita fits into that role, but even with more skill, his offensive upside is incredible. It's, it, he has the chance to be a 60-point scorer down here, at least. That's how good he is. I think that's all stuff that'll be so fun to look at when we get into the fall of next season, but Nikita and so many of these other guys would love to have a little bit more on their mantle before... Uh, arriving back here in the uh, late summer, early fall. One other bit of housekeeping to keep in mind with the T-Birds as we go into the playoffs. For the first time in Thunderbirds team history, there was a player recognized at the American Hockey League level among uh, peers at the player, at the playing level, the coaching level, and the media level. Sam Ann is bringing home the Fred T. Hunt Memorial Award, an award that exemplifies or that goes to the AHL player who best exemplifies the qualities of sportsmanship, uh, determination, and dedication to hockey. And I don't think any three words kind of better encapsulate what Sam Ann is the hockey player and Sam Ann is the guy is. To play 75 games, to play at such a high offensive level, not be afraid to go to areas where you're going to get hit and there's going to be a temptation to retaliate and go the whole season by taking only six minor penalties, of which I believe three of them were accidental high sticks. Yep, and and you know you add the 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 player of Sammy to the person that Sammy is, um, and his story, and you know again the pink in the ring stuff, which again cried like a baby during. Um, they've he's been a guy that has just been a joy to watch on the ice and a joy to watch on the ice, and a guy I I can't think of who you and I are still baffled that he has not had a chance at the National League at all in any aspect of, of, of his time in the American League, um, and a guy that will get a shot, and a guy who can lead this team to the promised land, in my opinion. Yeah, he has gotten a taste of Calder Cup playoffs with Iowa. He mentioned to myself and to a couple of members of the media over the last couple of days how much this award meant to him as one of his good friends and one of his big mentors from his time in Iowa, Cal O'Reilly, who has a St. Louis connection, obviously, with uh, Brother Ryan as the captain in St. Louis. Yep. But Cal was the previous winner of the Fred Hunt Award. And you could tell it meant a whole lot to Sam. It meant a lot to his family. And it's an award that, not that other awards are not respected and celebrated, but this award is one where I think more so than any other, I think it is as big an indication among your peers of just how highly you are viewed in both the human aspect and in the hockey player aspect. Yep. And I think that's what makes this such a unique award honor, kind of like the Lady Bing at the NHL level. It's just something that is just universally respected. And once you have that award to your name, it gives you, it just gives you such a 
great check mark of credibility yeah. to not only what you provide for your team, but what you provide to the game as a whole. That's what I was gonna get at. Is that he that that you add this, you know? And I look at it in other sports too. In my opinion, the biggest comparison is the Walter Payton Award, Man of the Year. Award. Yes. Um, and you look at the recent guys that have won it. You know, the Eli Mannings, the Andrew Whitworths, the guys that have, you know, won Super Bowls have been the arguably the best of their position over to, over the years. And Sammy's a guy who uh, has a scoring title and has played at a level in the American League that is hard to come by. And you add that to the person that he is and you win an award like that, it's like a, okay, he's the guy and he's the type of guy. It's great validation. Want, yeah, he's the guy you want to have in the locker room. And, and, and I think that goes, I, I think Tommy could have won this award too. Another guy that you could look at and say, hey, those are two types of guys I want in my locker room. And everybody in the American League should want a Tommy Cross and a Sam Annis in their locker room, in my opinion. Yeah. And so... Again, that is the big piece of award news for the T-Birds. For now. For now. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I think we're all hoping that there are some team accolades to come down the road. Uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier the one change in the Thunderbirds roster right now with Steven Santini being called up to St. Louis in light of the injuries suffered by uh, Marco Scandella and then Nick Letty and then Robert Bortuzzo, who blocked a puck with the side of his head last night. That hurt me just to look at yeah, it. Yeah, that does not feel good. Uh I don't know what it feels like, <laughs> and I'm glad I don't have to try to envision what that feels like. We hope for the best for Bortuzzo, both for his own health, for how important he is in that dressing room in St. Louis, and selfishly for the Tebers to get a pretty key piece of their back line back. But how many times this year have we seen guys step into roles and be able to fulfill them at a time when it might not seem like the greatest timing in the world for it? I view this as... What a, what a huge opportunity this may become for Matt Kessel. Oh, yeah. And, and I think, you know, we go back to our, our trade deadline special that we did. You know, whether it was getting Kess in here, um, trading for Witkowski, too, and, and trading for Brady Lyle. Brady Lyle's been a first-pair guy ever since Callie's gone up and has, has, in my opinion, one of the hardest shots I've ever seen at this level. Um, and you add Kessel, a guy who has won a national championship and a guy who is, knows what it takes to play at a high level of the NCAA, who has stepped in with really no qualms about his play so far um, in the American League. And I think, you know, we, we've always said that depth is a good thing because now, you know, if, if need be, you could move a guy like Witter back to the defense where he's been playing. It's true. Mostly, mostly wing for the last month and a half. Um, you have the flexibility where, obviously, we want to, you want to keep Santini and Tux together as long as you possibly can, which they've done all year. Um, but with the way that their quote-unquote depth guys have played, and that's not a knock on either of them because Matt Kessel has been amazing since he's gotten here, um, you know you can plug anybody in there and not bat an eye at, at their style of play. It'll be interesting to see how that all materializes. Of course, the result of the St. Louis-Minnesota series will tell us a lot about what the makeup of the roster down here in Springfield is. You can look at it as there's a positive, there's a silver lining for either outcome. Either a whole host of Thunderbirds are moving on in their pursuit of a Stanley Cup in St. Louis, or potentially if the run does have to unfortunately come to an end for St. Louis, there could be some reinforcements coming down to Springfield. So uh, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good opposite, reverse catch-22, if you will, because um, there's, there's positives to either of those outcomes in the days moving forward. 
And who knows down the line what could happen in terms of junior player seasons ending and who could still be coming through the doors here at the Thunderdome as well. Well, that's so. before we kind of wrap up. You know, we've also kind of added depth for the playoff too. Ellie's back, right? Brandon, uh, Brandon Guy we signed who was a captain in, in, in junior. And mm -hmm. is that a good junior season? Yeah, Brandon Guy captain with the uh, Guelph Storm. Yeah, you know, guys that – you know, I'm not, not going to sit here and say Ellie's going to get playing time, but it's a great insurance policy. It's to a have, great though. insurance to policy. Have someone to have. who played as many games in the ECHL this year as Ellis did, it allowed him to really kind of discover his game. Like Joel Hofer, he had some growing pains in his first pro season, but down the stretch for Worcester, he was playing constant, constant action, and right until the bitter end, he kept Worcester right in the fight for a playoff spot in the ECHL, and that's all an experience that will serve him well. And who knows? Who knows what may happen in the days and weeks to come as we <laughs> knock heavily on wood here. But it's nice to know that you have a third guy who has played at this level. And successfully, too. He played has, well Has here. shown that he has the capability of succeeding at this level. It's a different animal in the Calder Cup playoffs, but it's nice to know that you're not going to have to turn to somebody who's never been here oh, if yeah. it were to reach that point. Oh, yeah. And, and I think, you know, again, we, we've said this from time to time on here is find me a group of forwards or teams in general that have the depth of, of St. Louis into Springfield. You know, you could argue that anybody on our uh, full strength at the top four lines can be playing legit NHL minutes at any point for anybody. That's how good the, 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 the group is down here. And, you know, guys that haven't gotten a shot yet, you know, I look at Tyler Tucker who could be in His a – day will come. Yeah, who could be in a Torpo role next year with we have to enjoy the time we have him because we don't know how long we're going to have him. Same thing with Scotty this year. Yeah, you know, Tyler Tucker's is a matter of time. Yeah. It, the, the way I view it. It's a matter of time. There's guys that have had that that are going to get opportunity after this year in St. Louis, and it just shows that both levels are just committed to winning. And and you've seen it this year that no matter what's going on, the Springfield always looked to get better. Whether it was stumbling and getting James Neal down here, you know, you, you you're able to add guys to win, and and that's what they've done here. And uh, I almost called them Worcester. I don't know why. Uh, St. Louis did that with adding guys like Nick, Nick Letty, a guy who is unfortunately out right now, but brings that veteran presence that have made it to Stanley Cup finals and have played at a high level that they have dozens of NHL game, NHL playoff games in their system. So it's, it's, it's fun to watch the, the, this group develop and just feed right into what uh, St. Louis has been this year. We are so close to playoff hockey inside the Thunderdome. It's been a long time coming, eight years. Unfortunately... <laughs> Also a long time coming is the uh, unknown future of T-Bird's talk. I don't know if it'll be a one-man show, because I don't know if I can even stand hearing myself talk <laughs> by myself for upwards of an hour. But join us, T-Bird's talk audience out there, and I'll pretend you're all clapping hands with <laughs> me along here. My cohort, Eric Bellier, is joining the full-time workforce in a different sport, in a different season Joining the ranks of baseball, God love you for wanting to do a baseball season. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is a uh, that is a season that is an intimidating grind. We talk about hockey seasons being a grind. Uh, baseball is a whole other level because there are so few off days. Oh yeah. But Eric, congratulations to you taking on a big opportunity back closer to home for yourself, and we hope we were able to give you something here to uh, to. Give yourself a semblance of learning the footsteps yeah, of mean, the uh, <laughs> of the ropes of sports. I've never been a guy that uh, dips my toe. I jump in with a 
very fast, not fast because I'm slow, but a, 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 a very long your running words, start. Not, your words, no, not mine. I know, a very long running start, and I've felt like I've done that here from joining is just a, you know, not loud mouth, but not afraid to voice my opinion senior in college and hopping in with, with then the Florida Panthers group, who I have great memories with. Um, then we hit the uh, P word, the pandemic, and I, we, you and I, I think I texted you more than anybody outside of my friends from home um, because I wanted to get back here so bad in some capacity. And then things, the, the world literally opened up again. And I was given an opportunity to come back in, in, in an orga- a new organization that I kind of had some unknowns about because you obviously started dealing with them more, albeit from home. Um, but I, I couldn't have been happy working with you and Shay and... Lucas and Nolan, the video guy, and other Luke, and the ticket guys are awesome. You know, we could just be saying random names <laughs> here, and the people out there might not realize yeah, who we're I talking mean, about. The, the fans do have a good relationship with our ticket people, so I can they name do. everybody, and they would know them. That's true. Uh, to Nate, to Todd, to Kunzi, who is – I'm glad I was here to see him retire. <laughs> um, you know, it's been I, – I feel like I've been able to, to, to get my footing to where I know I can jump off, and if the opportunity comes back, who knows? You know, I'd love to work in hockey again, and, you know – as much as I love hockey and as, as, as the people who have probably figured it out over the last handful of years, I am a big Ranger fan, and I am very knowledgeable. Wait, you are? <laughs> and I've been, I'm very knowledgeable when it comes to hockey, but you know, my first word was ball. Um, baseball has always been my passion, so I'm excited to get going um, with Tri-City. And uh, I mean, I move this come, we're recording Thursday the 5th. I'm moving May 11th. So hopefully we do play May 10th. Um, so I can, <laughs> one final hurrah. So I can be selfish and get one game in, but I'm excited and, and I couldn't be more thankful to be with you and to be with this organization for the last, I'll say three years. It's really been two and a half. You eh, know, to count it. Whatever, whatever um, the total was. It's, it's been exciting and, and, and I couldn't be more thankful. It was, so. it was worth every, uh, Every rocky step of the path over the last three years. Oh, yeah, and for sure. I know I hear about it from people all the time who mention how much they have loved hearing this program. And this program wouldn't work as a one-man show. And no. I, I've said that more than once. It, you need to be a different kind of dynamic personality to have a one-voice podcast be a success. I've tried it. Not <laughs> easy. <laughs> no, it, it's not. And know how much the fans really appreciated hearing your insights as just a different voice to hear and another perspective. Um, Broadcasting a hockey game and watching a hockey game are two very different things. And I think we both have had a chance to see from one another that we have a little bit of a different perspective on certain ins and outs of the game just Mm -hmm. because there's different things happening in each individual role. And I think that's that's something we all can kind of learn from in the world of sports is – we may see things one way, and the way a coach views a game is completely different. And yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it gives you so much more appreciation for what management and coaching staffs are doing on a day-to-day basis. We sit in the stands and pretend like we have the slightest idea what we <laughs> would do in situations that present themselves. And they do it in a way that I know for me, and I can tell based upon how you go about your work, it's very similar that we want to – we want to work with our teams in a capacity where we're respectful of what they're doing and appreciative of all the hard work that goes in behind oh, yeah. the scenes. And uh, know that for every man and woman in this office that uh, all your hard work that went into this did not go unnoticed. Thank you. And it, 
it certainly will not go in vain. And uh, we're, ho we're hopeful that someday we see you down the road in, in the big leagues, whether that's in baseball and hockey, whatever capacity it might be. You're, you're still a young, young kid, though, and there is a lot, there is a lot that can still go unfold. on. Oh, that yeah. can still unfold. Believe me, I, I should know. And to be selfish, um, I, I said this to a buddy of mine, you know, I, just a little backstory. When, when the world ended, you gave me the opportunity. You said to me, whenever we're back, you can, call hot, you can call the final weekend with me. And I was like, all right, cool. And I never forgot that. And you didn't. I, when we got back and I let the season get going, I gave it a good month. And I said, remember, you know, you told me you owed me two games. And it turned into a span of, I think I did like six or eight of them. And I said, to, I, I took a step back after the first few and I looked at my buddy and I said, how many 23-year-olds, because at, at the time I was 23, how many 23-year-olds can say that they're calling professional sports? And, pretty cool. you know, that's for me, you know, I got to live out my dream and as, as I'm going to continue to do that. But here it was special for me because as much as, you know, you're my boss, I consider you one of my very good friends, um, even though shout out Matt McRobbie, I was his <laughs> intern. Um, I was his intern. Um, but, you know, for me, I got to grow here as a person and as a worker. Um, and, and thanks to you, I got to do something that. As a kid, I dreamt of um, a, th a thing that I now will look to continue to do until I can't walk. Um, it, it means the world. Even if you can't walk, you can still do it. <laughs> it means the world to me to get to do this opportunity. And, and, and they say, and this is cliche as can be, if you work, a, if you don't, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. And, and for the last handful of years being here, I can genuinely say, you know, I miss plenty of college events. I miss plenty of college parties, and I don't regret a thing of it because I got to work here and I got to work with you. And, you know, going back to the, to the Florida organization and to here, um, I've formed a relationship with even some of the guys. You know, I've, I find myself going back to saying hi to Tommy Cross and Tommy remembering my name, my first practice back here with St. Louis. And it just shows that, you know, they respect us, we respect them, and I can't appreciate the, the opportunities I've gotten from them, from you, from Nate, from whoever it may be, it's been it's been fun, and who knows, hockey season is not my on season during baseball. So it's true, you know who knows. This is true. Well, I don't think I could have said it any better <laughs> over over the last handful of minutes. So a bravo to one <laughs> Eric Bellier for Thank one you. heck of a run. I don't know what the future of T Bird's talk is going to hold. Um, I do plan to have it back in some capacity. It's going to be a very a difficult process to try to uh, find another host who is as dedicated as this. We'll still certainly have interviews with players in our future, so make sure you keep our T-Birds Talk page bookmarked because we'll still be involved in it in some capacity. Um, we're just going to be in a little bit of a, a process of seeing what, how it's all going to evolve moving forward. But again, we thank all of you for taking the time out of your lives, whether it's on your traffic-filled commutes, whether it's early morning treadmill walks at the gym, whether it's sitting down to dinner or just sitting in your, sitting in your easy chair, laying on your couch, falling asleep to the dulcet tones of our voices. Okay, maybe not that last part. But we hope it has been as great an experience for you, the listener, as it has been for us, the broadcast presenters. And here's to a long Calder Cup run of success for the T-Birds and to successful futures 
for really everyone out there, and especially to you, Mr. Bellier. Thank you. That is all for us for the 21-22 season of T-Birds Talk, the official podcast of your Springfield Thunderbirds. And one final time, for my cohort, Eric Bellier, Ryan Smith bidding you a good afternoon and good hockey. Let's enjoy some Calder Cup playoff action, folks.